Rooted in Revenue with your host today, Susan Finch. Welcome to Rooted in Revenue. I'm your host, Susan Finch. Today, I'm talking with Gene Hopkins, who's launching Salty Marketing Company this month. We'll cover what a fractional CMO is and isn't. You just think you know. The four elements of marketing that every company must include and address. Gene, welcome. Hey, Susan. Hey, how do you see your role as you work with companies in the capacity of CMO, CCO, CRO? (laughs) Wait, there's a lot of acronyms. I try not to do that. Chief Marketing Officer, Chief Customer Officer, Chief Revenue Officer. You've successfully held these titles for midsize and enterprise companies in the past. I'd like to be somebody that can help with actionable advice, to be able to talk about strategy, to be able to talk about tactics, to be able to talk about the execution of things and be able to make that happen and for a company. And so that's why I've decided to be a fractional CMO, chief customer officer, chief revenue officer. I can come in, I can help. I can help coach people to be able to be better. But the number of organizations that I've been talking to recently, people like you, people that I've known for years, they're all saying it's something that's needed right now. It is. You know, there's a lot of decisions that are being made by people that don't have a holistic business approach. They don't really understand the finance fundamentals. They don't understand what CFOs or boards are looking for in terms of results as well as metrics and reporting and that sort of thing. So I could probably help people in that regard. I just feel that it's a good opportunity for me to do what I do best is primarily advise because I would never ask anybody to do something I couldn't do myself or wouldn't do myself. Right. But on the other hand, I feel that it's a good opportunity for members of my team or members of the teams that I'm advising to be able to learn how to do some things. It's remarkable to me, Susan, and I don't know if you've come across this as well, is how few marketing people understand the budgeting and the forecasting process. Does that happen? That's the thing. Yeah, because what, I mean, I met you when you were at HubSpot and that's the one thing that you're bringing as a fractional CMO, a on-call CMO, on contracted CMO, however you want to call it. Because when you show up, you aren't fractional. And whenever people say, I'm a fractional CMO, no, you show up 100%. <laughs> when, you're, when you're helping them, you are 100%. You, there's no fraction there. You're able to bring in bigger overall pieces right. and views and experience that most don't have, and especially the ones that cannot afford somebody full-time on staff but they need it or the person they have is not qualified because you know they got in there because it was a bootstrap kind of thing and they right. just kept them and they've never evolved. Right. It doesn't mean they're not coachable, right. but there are certain pieces that in order for that company to not take a nosedive, it has to be somebody that has that budget ability, the ability to analyze the numbers and to see, okay, that's working and that's uh-huh. the fun part. You like doing marketing, you like doing social media, <laughs> you do blog posts, you do all these things. But how does that fit into our budget? Right. So a lot of a lot of people are marketers and we yeah. do pieces of it. Yes. And and they'll call themselves CMOs. Right. I mean, I have a few companies that call me their CMO, which is <laughs> fine, but I still have to work with their finance people very closely. Right, right. Make sure that I have the full understanding. I can take guidance from that piece. Right. Right. And 
I watch a lot of smaller companies that they just don't have the experience. They don't, they don't know what they need to know. It's like that kit bag you and I've talked about in the past, right? Bringing your playbook with you to help set them up. And my husband and I were talking, he said, well, what's Jean doing now? He said, it seems like ever since Lola, she's been kind of, you know, trying to figure Clubbing it out. Around. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you know what? I said, rest in peace, Lola and Lola alums. Shout out to all of you. We miss you all mm. because that was a fabulous company. Fabulous. Yeah. It really was. And I mean, you would have been there forever because it was so wonderful. <laughs> so I just well, it was such a, a nice, it was a nice culture and yes. there was so much opportunity to grow. And I feel like we were rocking and rolling three years sure. from now. We were just going full guns. And Table Fries was really doing great for the women in the organization. And we were like, (laughs) we were just going, that was the one that you were producing for me. And we were just going a hundred miles an hour. And it was, it was great. I mean, we were selling, we were, and then, you know, the pandemic hit. The only, the one thing, the only thing that could happen to Lola (laughs) happened. Yes. Because otherwise it was, there was nothing that could have gotten in your way. So I just wanted to give that shout out to that, but he was asking and I said, well, she's going to do this on her own. And he said, well, that seems like a good fit because she seems to have a way to bring people together, culture together, which is also, I mean, that's more than a marketing thing. Yeah. I mean, that bring that brings added value to me because it isn't just right. marketing and budget and how do we talk to sales? <laughs> no, you're able to bring in company culture and make everybody there feel seen and valued. And I think that's a huge way to keep turnover down, which keeps the budget in line, which keeps you from having to start over all the time and waste all your time onboarding. It's better to retain. Oh, totally. And you build that in companies. Well, I I think that what happens is for, um, as far as the retention is concerned, is that if you lost a person for whatever reason, you know, they wanted more money, they needed a different location, whatever, even though now the pandemic has given us, you know, essentially a key to be able to do remote work wherever, whenever. And so it's become more standard. Although I've been working remote for most of my career. I mean, it goes back that even when I was at HubSpot, I went into the office only two days a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays was the marketing meeting. Thursday was the marketing meeting. And I ran those meetings in physically, but all the rest of the time I worked remotely. And it, But it goes back years as well in terms of being able to work for companies based in California, wherever they were based. And we didn't have this inflection of Zoom and that sort of thing. You used to have conference calls. <laughs> You know, and you didn't get to really see people in that regard. But I think I like to look at things and I try explaining this to people and it's a bit of a puzzle. I feel that marketers overall, they should be spending, uh, there's like four tiers to your job. Number one is your employees. Number one is your employee branding, employer branding. It's making sure that your employees know what that bejeebers is going on. It's remarkable to me. (laughs) Don't you think it's remarkable? Have you ever worked for a company that a press release went out and you read it on Yahoo Finance and nobody in the company knew what was going on? How do you feel about all those people in Salesforce today? I was on a call earlier today and she's on a leave right now and she wasn't part of that two hour ramble town hall meeting, but they haven't even held it together at all. And I mean, she doesn't know if she's laid off or she's not laid off because there's been nothing said about it. I mean, talk about the sword of Damocles just kind of hanging over your head. 
But a marketer should be working with your people ops person to make sure that the employees know what's going on. And I always like an employee newsletter or an employee email notification once a week, you know, that's right there. Internal marketing people. Internal. That's a piece and so valuable. And marketers don't look at it. And the other thing, so I feel like five to 10% of your time, um, you should have like a team member if you're not doing it, or you need a team member that's doing it to be able to give people a, a sense of what's going on, what happened, what's going on, what are we looking forward to? The next one is customer marketing. And I feel like 20 to 25% of your time should be spent on customer marketing. I can't tell you how many companies I've worked for where the engineering department says, hey, we want to do a beta. Can you send an email to all of our customers today? And I'm like, we don't talk to them at all. We don't even send them product release notes. What do you think that they're going to think if I send them an email right now? They're going to think that it's spam. You can't just do these one-offs. If you want to do customer marketing, (laughs) you have to talk to them. You know, you have to have regular webinars. You have to have regular communications. You have to have a contact person. So that's about 20%. And then let's say 50%, maybe 55, 60% of your time is on prospect marketing. And this is where many marketers get stuck. And this is why they get into hell holes with the sales organization and with the finance team is because they're spending 100% of their time on that. And everybody's asking, what are you doing? Because if you did customer marketing, you know what? You could reduce churn. You could keep customers in the loop. You'd have some data, particularly with the customer success team. And the balance of your time should be spent on your community. And your community, yes, it includes some of your social media followers and that sort of thing. But I would argue how many people actually raise their hand and say, I want a demo. I, you know, I want to buy your product from Instagram. I mean, unless you're selling a wicked cool pair of boots, I'm not really sure that anybody is actually doing anything that in that regard. So why are you spending so much time? I think Pete Caputa at uh, Databox and uh, John Short at Compound Marketing, two guys that are really using LinkedIn to provide value. They do a regular post. They look for feedback. They regularly provide feedback on LinkedIn. So they have content that they're sharing and the content is high quality. Granted, there's a lot of high quality content. Don't get me wrong there. But that's building the community of more like-minded people that are probably going to buy your product. Now, you may be selling boots and that's okay. And then that's a B2C play. That's an e-com play. I'm kind of just talking B2B software, DevOps tools, that sort of thing. And it's kind of hard. I mean, I don't know that many developers (laughs) are going to get turned on by, you know, your collaboration tool or your latest AI writing tool. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're going to be finding it out some other way. But if you look at it, employees, customers, prospects, community, it makes a lot of sense. And yet the average marketer is more concerned with the color of the logo on the homepage. And how many people go to the homepage of a website? Yeah, it looks great. But you should be going to an interior landing page tied to an offer that you have in some regard. I feel sometimes that marketers get stuck on the wrong things. Join us for our next episode from this session, where we cover the value of content audits, podcasting, and seeing the signs before overhiring, then firing. 
never miss an episode, check out rootedinrevenue.com and subscribe on the site to get weekly updates of when new episodes come out. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. So go subscribe. We'll get you all the information you need to do your best with marketing and your online presence.